This is the Business Buddha edition of the Dreamers and Doers podcast. I'm Brayden. I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Sammy Grace. Hello, Brayden. So each week, we usually come to you live from the Loveworks campus, where you will hear interviews from our younger and more experienced entrepreneurs who inspire, educate, and give you an action step to help with your leadership and business. The Business Buddha podcast partners with Norman Chamber of Commerce to educate see Norman, Oklahoma be a thriving business community. It is powered by First Night Bank Norman, who's not like your typical bank. Their purpose is to inspire and empower others to spend life wisely. So thank you to Norman Chamber of Commerce and First Night Bank for helping to see our youngest entrepreneurs achieve their business dreams. So let's get into our interviewer with our first dreamer and doer, Justin Brown. So yes, in June of 2019, Governor J. Kevin Stitt appointed Justin B. Brown as director of the Oklahoma Department of Human Services, the state's largest agency by workforce. In March 2020, Governor Stitt further appointed Brown to the position of Cabinet Secretary of Oklahoma Human Services. As CEO of a regional senior housing company, prior to these appointments, Brown built a deep experience in organizational leadership, finance, and strategic planning and execution. With this experience, Brown is well-suited to build a vision based on a customer's first mentality, motivating the team to execute on a vision of serving the state of Oklahoma's most vulnerable citizens. As a strong relationship builder, Brown is uniquely qualified to position the Department of Human Services as a collaborative agency that engages with partners across the state to serve together. In the years since his appointments, Brown and the OKDHS team has to serve tirelessly pursuing a set of strategic imperatives referred to as their true north. The Oklahoma Human Services True North has ensured that organization prioritizes the utilization of limited resources to deep service to the communities most in need in the state of Oklahoma. He and his wife Kelly have been married 20 years and have two children, Hannah and Ford. So hello, hello. That's quite a bio. And like you said, we are usually in our studio at LoveWorks, but we are out at your beautiful studio here in the Capitol. So thank you so much. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I have to admit, I've done a number of podcasts over the last few years. And this is the most intimidated I've ever been uh, <laughs> sitting across the table here from uh, such um, professional podcasters. So uh, thanks for having me. In fact, I've done podcasts with friends of mine who are MMA champions. and <laughs> But you guys are uh, the, the sort of warm up conversation we had was fantastic. So you guys are killing it. And I'm honored to be here with you. Well, we are honored yes, to have you. And so we love starting off our podcast. We are the Dreamers and Doers podcast. So it's one of our favorite questions we love to ask is, do you consider yourself more of a natural dreamer or doer? Boy, uh, the easy way to answer that is saying both. Um, but every, so, but I've listened to the podcast enough that lots of people say that. So I'm going to pick one for you, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to qualify it. So I do believe I'm a doer. Um, but at the same time, as you, you know, doing is really important, but as you do things, you have to have a dream that you're pursuing to, uh, to sort of achieve uh, against. So uh, I'm definitely a doer. Uh, we at our agency here um, across the state of Oklahoma have the opportunity to impact uh, more than a million Oklahomans a year. A third of the state's population is served by the Department of Human Services. So you have to actually do the work um, in order for the people to feel progress. Uh, but in order to do something, you have to sort of work along a mission. And so that's a, a dream that we've all developed together. So uh, I cheated and I did use both, but I would actually have to guess I'm, uh, to, to, if I had to answer with one, it'd be doer. Yeah. So Secretary Brown, we kind of want to dive into your past and your childhood. So you want to know what was life like for you growing up and 
did your dream job have anything to do with what you get to do now? <laughs> Good question. Uh, so I grew up here in Oklahoma City. Um, my uh, father moved to Southern California when I was younger, and so he lived there for 15 years. And so I was in Los Angeles and San Diego uh, some, but definitely in Oki, uh, born and bred. Um, love it here. Everything about our city. Uh, the uh, the opportunity that I had growing up to see the progress that has occurred in Oklahoma City and the surrounding areas, of course, Norman as well, is just exceptional. I, it's hard to imagine growing up in a different city and during the same period and seeing progress that, that rivaled ours. I think we have grown so much. I mean, uh, so <laughs> I wouldn't plan on sharing this, but I, um, I saw an article from the Oklahoma Gazette newspaper from like the mid 80s. And that's well before you all were, were around, but you should know <laughs> that the number one restaurants in the 80s in Oklahoma were Olive Garden and Red Lobster, and the, which are great and nothing wrong with those restaurants. But we now have such, we've grown so much that we have this, these opportunities to experience different cultures and food options. I mean, it's just amazing to see what's, we've, uh, what we've done. But um, so to answer your question, uh, life was great for me um, growing up here in Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, um, just the opportunity to experience things like the Red Earth Festival. I, for some reason, I always remember going to the Festival of Arts and Red Earth Festivals with my mom, and uh, just really great experiences. Um, I, uh, I would, from uh, to answer your question about um, profession and jobs, and does it connect with what I do now? Um, I didn't really have much of a vision of what I wanted to do, except for to be president of the United States. <laughs> um, but so I, I kind of think there's a lot of folks, and I'm, I'm sitting across from two people who may have that in their uh, mind as well. But um, so that was sort of the vision. Um, but you know, that changes over your life. Uh, I, I'm def I'm not really a politics person. I don't I don't necessarily love that. I've worked great with our political partners across the lawn at the legislature. Uh, I'm more of a, a government person or a business person. I like uh, putting things together and building things and supporting the team uh, towards a mission. So. Uh, I guess uh, I would say there's not a lot of connection. It would seem like there is, but probably not that much. Um, so, uh, but but I love what I do. Uh, I get to work with 6,000 incredibly committed people at the Oklahoma Department of Human Services, and and the mission that we're on is to serve the community. So it's it's great. Yeah, and so you, you mentioned that you love what you do, and so we had your bio, but could you break in more like what do you do as your? Oh working? man, good question. So uh, our agency is the largest agency by workforce. Um, uh, the way that we impact our communities, we have seven programs that we operate that people feel in our community. Uh, one is the foster care and adoption system. So uh, it's a deep program that uh, is there to, to serve families in the, their time of need. Uh, the second is uh, the social safety net. So what people used to call a long time ago welfare programs. So that's like food stamps and child care subsidy and uh, energy assistance, um, SNAP, those programs. And um, we have an opportunity to know our our uh, neighbors in ways that other people don't. So real opportunities to help them get back on their feet if they've lost a job or a loved one or something like that. And so real um, great opportunities there. We, we work with seniors every day uh, in that we run programs like Senior Nutrition, where we served about 8 million meals to or through partners to seniors last year. 
Uh, we work. We we serve the child care industry, so uh, kids up to 12 years old, so their parents can go to work. We we license child care providers. Uh, just those are sort of the the bigger. We serve people with developmental disabilities, which is a really big mission for us um, right now. So um, if you as you think of those programs, those are some of the most impactful programs in our communities, and we're honored to serve those people here. From a, a director perspective, so I, I serve in two capacities. I'm the director of the agency. And then I also sit on the governor's cabinet as secretary of human services. But uh, so I sort of help uh, work with the team to build the vision for what we do in those programs. And then my job is to just support them. Um, in lots of cases, it's get out of the way because they're doing incredible work. Uh, in some cases, it's it's working with our legislative partners to put um, dollars and budget to programs that that our community needs. So um, I'm really here to be a support for uh, our incredibly committed team. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah. you also, you mentioned your roles that you do play. And so I feel like we can often, as people look at just the roles, but we forget the journey and story behind that. Mm. And so I know there's probably a whole lot of journey and story behind getting to the role you now serve. And so could you share with our viewers and listeners, what was that journey and story to getting where you are right now? Boy, that's a great question also. Um, so I started years ago, my wife and I started dating in high school. I won't go too deep into that, but we started dating uh, as seniors in high school, dated all the way through college at Oklahoma State. I'm a cowboy and uh, moved to Tulsa for a year where I started in the banking biz industry. So I was a banker. Uh, I did uh, lots of healthcare banking. And then I became the CEO for a company that does senior living. So we owned and operated assisted living and memory care communities in three states, which was an incredible passion for me. We were blessed to care with residents with Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia every day. And just a, a wonderful passion. That was 11 years. Um, in short, in, um, in April of 2019, we signed an agreement to sort of outsource the management of our communities. It was a trend in the industry. I was going to stay on as CEO, but that was most of my job was management and working with uh, the communities themselves. And so I didn't really know what that meant for me. It was this time of uncertainty a little bit. I was going to stay on, but it didn't sound super, uh, um, you know, I didn't wasn't super passionate about managing the manager. And then 16 days later, I got a call from the head of the transition team for the governor. Um, the governor Stitt and I had never met uh, in person. And so um, he said, listen, the governor wants to know if you have an interest in serving the state. And uh, I said, no, I'm good. Thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> they said, uh, he said on the other end, well, if you're 1% interested, we should talk again. And I said, um, okay, I'll bite that hook. I'm 1% interested. What does that mean? And so over the course of about the next 10 days, I talked to a lot of people, just ask questions, try to understand who the governor is and what the culture was he was trying to build in state government. And they and after 10 days, I finally sat down with the governor for a cup of coffee uh, at the governor's mansion at 630 in the morning. <laughs> and we talked for an hour and a half about culture and philosophy and faith and those sorts of things. And um, I said at the end of that meeting, um, listen, if you say no to me, I'm good. I'll figure out the rest of my life. Um, but if you say yes to me and I say no to you, I'll think about it every day for the rest of my life. And I don't have anything like that in my life. So if you say yes to me, I'm in. Um, it was um, a powerful moment for me, one I'll never forget. Uh, he called me three days later and said, Justin, we think you're the guy and would love for you to come uh, join and lead the, the Department of Human Services. So it was exactly 60 days from that first phone call was my first day as agency director here. That wow. was June of wow. 2019. And uh, so it was, it was just an incredible transition. 
Um, there's a lot of depth to that. Um, I, I, re- um, I received lots of validation in lots of different places and uh, tons of people around, wrapped around me who uh, support me even today. It's a, it's a difficult job and we, we do difficult work here, um, but uh, I definitely feel supported and passionate about the work that we do. Yeah, so we, you kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about your bio, but like as a department during your time leading, um, it has developed and pursued a set of strategic and operatives referred to as True North. So can you tell us more about them and why they're so important to you and your team? Absolutely. So when we first launched the True North, uh, it sort of comes across like a corporate slogan, you know, like just do it or whatever. It just sort of <laughs> comes across as something a big organization would say. But the True North, really, I walked in and as I shared, I really didn't have any government experience or human services experience. And so I said to our team, listen, I'm not really the one that should be building vision for you all. You all have been in this work your whole lives, decades in this work. You should be building the vision for the agency. And so this True North, I refer to it as a grassroots strategic planning opportunity. So that meant that we built a vision based on the input of all of our team. So division leaders, frontline workers, they all spoke into the creation of the True North. And the True North really is three to five guiding principles for each of those divisions that I laid out to you in the foster care system and in the Mm -hmm. safety net system and developmental disabilities. And it allows for us to focus on the work that we do that's really important. Not the things that just sort of come to us, but it allows us to stay on a pathway uh, that means something to the people we serve, not to our agency or our workforce, but really that person with a developmental disability or somebody living in poverty. That's the work that we're trying to do. So we built three to five guiding principles for each division. And then we have eight and now nine, what we call executive leadership, True North, which is the whole agency. This is the work that all of the divisions, all of the leadership, everyone is going to be working on together. So these are things like becoming the largest ever hope-centered organization. And the Science of Hope is an incredible opportunity. Uh, Maybe you can do a whole other podcast on the Science of Hope. It is fantastic. (laughs) In fact, one of the leading researchers in the Science of Hope is with the University of Oklahoma. And so he's a a globally known researcher in the Science of Hope. So anyways, it's things like um, becoming the largest ever hope-centered organization. It's things like uh, moving upstream and solving for poverty. It's building a world-class customer experience. You know, we go to Chick-fil-A or Amazon or whatever, and we know what a great customer service experience feels like. You all know what that's like. But sometimes in government, we don't necessarily have the the mission to provide that same level of service. And so that's something that we are embarking upon today is building that same level of customer service that you get at Southwest Airlines or one of our private sector friends. So um, the True North was built by the team. And the key is, is it allows us to focus our attention on what's really important and not to be distracted by all of those other things that come to us. I love that so much, and the, that that focus on service too. I mean, in your agency and you in general serve a, a very service type role. And so, could you kind of break down like more into why is serving so important for you, and not only for you but mm. for the agency? Oh man, that's a hard one. Um, I would so I, I what I didn't share is I connect to uh, the work we do here deeply personally. 
Um, of course, I mentioned people uh, with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and that's my prior world. And so we serve uh, seniors in a number of different ways here at the agency. But for 20 years, I was uh, worked with nonprofits serving kids. So that's uh, Children's Hospital Foundation, OU Children's Hospital Foundation. It's it's the Oklahoma City Zoo. It's uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I serve lots of those organizations. So I, I personally connect with that. And so when you a- answer your question or ask your question around why service is so important, um, it feels like in this agency with 6,000 employees, as I meet those people and engage, there's something about the people that work here who have it just built in their core, that that's, that's just who they are. They, they look to others before themselves. They are, uh, there's a book called Leaders Eat Last, and they eat last. Sometimes that we need them to eat earlier. Because honestly, the work is hard Mm -hmm. and they need to take care of themselves more sometimes. All of us do. Because if we're not in good shape, that means that we can't serve the community in the best way we can. But there's just, there's something about um, 6,000 people here who are absolutely and completely committed to serving other people. And as I see stories and I meet people, it's just validated and reiterated everywhere I go that that's just part of the core of the people that work here. It's amazing. That's really cool. So taking a bit of a, a switch onto things, a lot of our students, or a lot of our listeners are students, yeah. that both even students in the actual sense are students of life, we can call them that, and they're wanting to start a business or they just have an idea to do something new. And so what are you, what do you feel are some of those few tips or advice that they need to know if they want to go out there and start something new or a business? Um, so thank you for asking that question. I had a feeling that one would come up, so I wrote down a few things here. <laughs> so I prepared for this one, uh, but it's it's not perfectly organized, so I'm going to hit a few. Um, the first is I really do think it's important for you to create a set of values that are yours, mm-hmm. that really do mean something to you. In our agency, we created the True North. Um, there are pers- People have personal values around humility and empathy and service and those sorts of things. So uh, I would encourage people to create their values um, and know that they're yours. Don't pattern them off of somebody else. Sort of know yourself first. Um, and then um, as you learn more, so I'm a completely different person than, uh, at, at 43 years old than I was at 23 or 13, totally different. And so as you learn more, keep your mind open to changing those values or evolving those values. Life is a journey. It isn't, you know, we don't know everything. I don't know everything that I'm going to know in 10 years right now. So we need to um, absorb from other people, always be a lifelong learner. And then when you learn something new, pivot. You know, don't be stuck in your ways so much that you can't make change and understand where you can maybe take a different course. Um, Pivoting is really important. Um, And then uh, another thing, I don't know if it connects as a tip here, but um, one thing that has started to come to mind for me, and we talked about this a little bit, um, our world is so dominated by social media specifically. And, you know, I'm, I'm all over social media. I have to be because of the role I'm in. And, mm-hmm. uh, and actually, I don't hate it as much as sometimes it comes out. But, <laughs> um, but there, you, you can't really share complexity in social media. The, the situations that we deal with and you all deal with in your lives are much deeper than 280 characters on Twitter or a picture that can be posted on Instagram. And so know that when something comes up online, um, yeah, of course, that's information for us to digest and think about. But um, just please, let's assume positive intent of people. 
um, and then then dig in deeper. Start from the basis of this. The, the, all of the context is not here. The the whole story cannot be wrapped up in 280 characters. So I'm going to assume that person is good. Now I'm going to go and you know learn more and dig deeper. So that was another thing that I wrote down that I, I didn't want to to leave this conversation without sharing. But ultimately, to answer your question directly, the idea of building your own personal core values and being able to evolve as you learn more is critically important. That's really good. And if you don't mind, what would you say are your part of your core values? Oh man, golly y'all. So I didn't prepare for that one. so um, one of mine is family first. Um, I, my family is um, absolutely the most important thing in my life. I've been married 21 years, together 26 years. I have a 14-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and they are everything to me. I carve out, I make sure that I set those boundaries um, where when I go home, I'm home. Uh, so family first is absolutely one of mine. And I bring that to the agency, and so when people you know, have to go do something with their families or, or there's somebody sick or whatever, like go, go for it. Like take care of your family. That's number one. Um, I would say uh, empathy is one. Also, I always try to put myself in somebody other, somebody else's shoes before having a conversation. Grace and forgiveness, I'm given all the time. And so I have, I, I have to give it to other people. Um, so those are the ones that come to mind. Certainly uh, coachability is one too. Um, and that's a part of, around evolving and pivoting your values when you learn something new. So uh, those are the ones that, that come to mind. I'm sure once we say goodbye, I'll think of 10 other <laughs> ones, but, uh, but, but always starts with, with family first. That's awesome. Awesome. I, I love that. I I have a couple of values myself, and I, I try and live by those. Yeah, um, what are they? I'm not going to let you out of here without telling <laughs> us. Yeah. Well, family is definitely one of the most important things to me, um, making sure that I, I do take time for myself, because especially with everyone's busy schedule that we all have, I think it is very, very important to make sure that you take care of yourself. Um, I also, there's something that we learn um, at camp is put yourself third. Mm. So you have... Um, your faith and your and your hope first and then you have other people and then yourself is third and now i know where you go to camp because that's where my kids go to camp (laughs) (laughs) so i think that is is super important so something that we want to know so obviously as we know life is hard and it is challenging and there's always ups and downs and so we want to know what has been one of your greatest challenges that you have faced in your role and how have you overcome it? How have you gotten over it? Um, so I have, I've started to really center around two things that are the biggest challenges. Well, there's a few. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say two. Um, one of them is we do, we do difficult work. And uh, because of confidentiality reasons, we can't always share our side of the story. So a, a tough story comes on the news or is on social media, and we just have to be silent when you know the truth is something different. So that's been difficult for me. Um, but the other two things I was thinking of is um, it's really hard to communicate these days. There's just so much coming back at all of us. And um, being able to share the purpose of the of a decision, the reason behind a decision, even just with our workforce, not even the, the community. It's, we serve 1.5 million Oklahomans. A third of the state's population engages with DHS in some way. And we're making so many changes just sharing that and communicating that in, a, in an appropriate way with all of the different ways that we receive information now has been difficult. Um, and then the last one is because we're changing so many things now, 
and uh, government is slow um, to, to <laughs> act sometimes. Uh, there's fatigue around that. People get tired um, sometimes that, you know, we talk about a new technology that we really need in our agency to serve better, and a year later it still isn't in place. And, and it's just, it's not that we're not moving forward or it's not a priority. It just takes a long time where we, we closed some buildings, and the new approach is opening newer ones that are smaller and newer and strategic and better, and but it takes a long time to yeah. get that done. So there's just a level of fatigue when you're changing things um, that's hard to navigate as well. So those are the things that come to mind. So how do you uh, how do you stay motivated through those challenges? Oh my goodness, there's not a lack of motivation in this uh, agency these days. So uh, one another thing we were sharing before is um, not to to have a plug, but I do a podcast also mm-hmm. called the Thousand <laughs> Stories Podcast. Absolutely, plug and it. the <laughs> the reason that I do that podcast is because um, I, you always see occasionally we'll see negative things that occur because our agency deals with brokenness and humanity sometimes. And uh, I am a true believer that for every bad story you see or hear, um, that there are there are a thousand incredible stories of servant leaders and, and, val- and incredible values and wonderful programs that are happening that people just don't know about. And so I have an incredible luxury sitting at the as agency director to engage with people just like LoveWorks um, who are doing awesome, incredible things. And so I get to see that. In fact, I bet I have two or three of them today in addition to this podcast. And so the motivation is really easy to get because it comes at me yeah. like crazy. The, the difficult part is sharing that with people who don't have that opportunity, our, our team, who get tired and are working really hard and, and trying to share that same level of energy and motivation that I get from other people. And so um, it's, it's easy to stay motivated. That's awesome, especially like being able to be motivated by stories, yeah. the wonderful stories. Like you said, like with social media as well, like so many negative stories you see, and it can be easy just to think that's all there is, but there is so much positive. Yeah, I love that. For sure. That. Uh, so we going back to our first question, we asked dreamer or doer, and now that we know that, we know you're more of a doer, but we love to see, is there any dreams that are you working on right now? Oh my gosh. Okay, so... Um... Yeah, my the the dreams in this agency now are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a few years ago, we we had the opportunity to improve processes and rebuild some culture and some of those things that put us in a position where we are more foundational. Now the big dreams are out there, and the big dreams for me, the number one is solving poverty. Um, I think um, I think we are in a position today that we have a team that is just sold out to do what we're, what we're trying to do. Uh, not that there aren't issues and you know, we, we manage those, but um, the real opportunity is to build a relationship with the people that we serve. It, we, used to, we, we still are to some degree, but we used to be at one side of a transaction. You came to us for help and we gave you help. When in reality, we need to know you as a person who's living, you know, maybe you're living in poverty, but you have your own dreams and your own dreams are to be, to support your families and to be successful in whatever your definition of success is. And so now our agency is on this path to address poverty in a meaningful way. And um, so that's my dream. That's our dream as an agency with 6,000 strong and thousands of partners across the state. And that's the one that moves the needle for the state of Oklahoma. So, so uh, if you ask for a dream, that's a big one. Love it. Yeah. We love big dreams here. Dream big, for sure. Yeah, so kind of 
obviously he Braden spoke on this earlier that our listeners are more in the middle school high school age um, students and so we want to know what was one life lesson that you wish you would have known or someone would have shared with you when you were in middle or, or high school um, yeah so one is um, that I've just started to sort of understand myself so 30 years after my middle school days um, was that um, risk is good um, go I mean like especially if there are, you have to think about it and calculate the, the risk but jump out there and try something new and uh, whether it's trying a new food or going on you know some place that you've never been or something um, get yourself in a position to continually try something new there was a few years ago where I had a New Year's resolution of trying 10 new things that year and so that, to me, that's one thing is continue to take risks, try something new, because at some point you get a little more used to that than you used to be, than you were before. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to take one of those risks that's going to scare you. And when you take those risks that scare you, that's when the opportunity for growth really comes out. So um, that would probably be one. And then, you know, especially in middle school, high school ages um, is just to keep doors open. Um, it's it's great to, to pick something and go towards it, whether it's a sport or a, you know a, a potential interest in school, but 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 don't um, be so specialized so early that um, doors start to close for you. You never know at some point that you may get into some other area of work or some other interest, and it would be a lot easier if doors were open. So those are the two things that immediately come to mind. That's awesome. That's really, really great to hear. Like taking risk. I feel like it's 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 scary. I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely. But I mean, you're not going to grow all under a rock, right? And That's so, right. I love that a lot. So, Justin, for our last question, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. Oh, yeah. But we just kind of want to leave this time. Like if you have any other tip, advice, any idea for people want to start a business or anything, what advice would you leave with our students? Um, the first is everything's going to be okay. That's one thing. Another thing I wish that I would have been told. Um, the world is difficult sometimes. Um, our world continues to get more and more complicated, uh, especially for young people. I tell my kids all the time, listen, I don't understand. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here. The world is going to be, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. Just know that whatever you're going through today um, is likely momentary or, or a, an, sort of a, an isolated incident and work through it. Reach out to people. That's really important. Um, the other the other tip for me was I always seem to um, to be better or do better when I think about others first mm. um, sort of That's that good. first is third concept yeah. um, but uh, but when somebody else is the focus of the attention or the, of my mission or purpose um, it just seems to work out better for me and um, and so I think that's the the one that I would leave folks with is um, it, this is a rich world um, that we have an incredible uh, diverse set of friends and neighbors and get to know them and put them ahead of yourself and life will work out just fine that's awesome that's so good justin i think we i speak for both of us when we <laughs> say thank you so much for your time this was an amazing experience and i just cannot wait for the rest of the day so i know that we and those that listen will be so much better for it so where can we find more information you can plug your other podcast and where can we find more about you and the work that you are doing for our amazing community absolutely so thank you for asking that um so of course the oklahoma department of human services we're okdhs.org 
Uh, we're rebuilding uh, our web presence, so forgive us for the old looks. It's coming <laughs> out new soon. Uh, me personally, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Those are my four. I don't. I haven't yet ventured into TikTok, but uh, so I'm on those. Uh, two handles are J Brown OKC or Secretary at Secretary Brown. Uh, so reach out there. I would love to engage for the long term. Uh, and I tell you, I am so excited to see what's happening with you guys and LoveWorks and the podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you all and levels of success that I can't even imagine. Two presidents of the United States in <laughs> successive order right here in front of me. So uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. So Sammy Grace, that was an amazing interview. Oh, and so what was something that you would want to reiterate for our viewers out there? Well, I mean, he dropped some amazing, amazing things on us. But honestly, I mean, I just love how he was talking about not even just support, but he really was talking about the world as it was. So he was mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, not everything you see on social media is, is really how it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to kind of take a step back and even he was just talking about core values. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely. feel like we get really lost in that. And I think just everything he shared was so amazing. What about you? Uh, I feel I love that you mentioned being a lifelong learner. I feel like a lot of our students, they, they hate learning right now. These are students, and I can feel that very deeply sometimes, but uh, being a lifelong learner is a, is a real thing, and it gets you far, but it also, when you're a lifelong learner, you meet a lot more people and learn a, a lot more things, really widen your perspective. And so if that's something you take away, viewers, is take away being a learner. It is so much worth it. Take risk. Like, if you're not going to do that, you're not going to get a whole lot far. You're not going to widen that perspective a whole lot. So, again, Justin, thank you so much. Uh, viewers, we will be back with our student business owner real, real quick, so stay tuned. Gabriel Sadler is a 12-year-old from Oklahoma. He'll be going to the 8th grade this year. He enjoys woodworking, climbing, and other kinds of sports, and rocket building. Gabriel began learning about business when he was 7 years old by operating a lemonade stand, which he shared with his older brother. Today, he is working to grow his business, Lumberjack Woodworks, a company that offers handmade wooden planter boxes for indoor and outdoor use. Hello, Gabriel. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to learn more about you and your story. What is Lumberjack Woodworks and what do you make? My uh, company name is Lumberjack Woodworks. I make planter boxes. I have two sizes, indoor and outdoor planters. I have distressed and regular. I have four colors. Gray, red, tan, and brown. I use a cedar wood because it's rot resistant, and I've used a lead-based stand that lasted 25 years. Uh, for my outdoor planter, it's a little bit bigger box, and I have not used the lead-based stand on the inside, so you can check the plan with your food. With the inside planters, I've used liners because I've used the lead-based stand on the inside, so that you can put your flowers on the very bottom. So. Uh, when did you really become serious about like your business starting? Um, about two years ago, my brother started J&J Characters. He also got on a podcast, and so I really wanted to give it a shot. And my grandpa and my dad did a little bit of woodworking, so I wanted to do the family line. So that's so excellent. Today, we're hoping our youngest entrepreneurs out there can learn from you about some of the work involved in just starting a business. What's one of your biggest challenges and how did you overcome this? Um, time management really and just trying to focus on getting the work done for the business fair and just thinking of the reward um, after and getting to hang out with my family after I was done. Got it. What is one of the biggest things you've learned about your business and selling your products? 
Um, really just trying to focus on the customer's need and helping them with anything that I can and getting to know them. Yeah. So for our last question, what are your favorite parts about starting your own business? Really just seeing the expression when somebody, when I sell one of my boxes. I had a customer who, uh, I sold a box to him and he came back and he was talking about how excited he was and then he'd leave and he'd come back and he'd come back. And it was just so awesome to see how excited he was to get one of my boxes. That's so cool. Gabriel, Gabriel, thank you for coming. Uh, Gabriel, thank you for your time. I know that the, we and those who listen to this will be better for it. Where can we learn more about Lumberjack Woodwood? You can email me at sellerfan5 at gmail.com. It's spelled S-A-T-T-L-E-R-F-A-M-5 at gmail.com. Wasn't that an awesome interview? What was something that stuck out to you? Um, definitely that like he like he knows that talking to your customers is very important and that like if you it, Yeah, <laughs> talking to your customers is one of the most important things in Yeah, mine mine is basically the same. It's just the story about the things you've had with his customers, the one that kept coming back. That really uh puts a smile on your face when you actually experience that. Yeah. Next week, we will be back with two new business owners that will hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to grow your idea or business. We want to send another huge thank you to the Northern Chamber of Commerce, First United Bank, and Lover's Leadership for, leading, for believing in our youngest entrepreneurs. And remember, real leaders don't blend in, they stand out. Dream big. And do your dreams. See ya.